0: Sure, nice demo, Baird, but, uh, is it gonna work? Well, for that, we're gonna need a test fire. Forget test fires. We need an actual target. Uh, if we're selecting target, shouldn't someone with real military authority be here? It's Foz, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Shut the fuck up, Foz. Yep, sir.
1: Hello there, and welcome to the Xbox Chums Podcast, the podcast all about <laughs> Xbox and video games. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by the Katana to my Master Chief, John. Now, John, I'm going to hit you with some fire right off the bat. Who's your oh, favorite boy. Gears of War character?
0: Go! Go! Marcus phoenix he's the only one I can name.
1: Oh, the the original OG. That's a good choice, man. That's a really good <laughs> yeah, choice, bro. you know?
0: Yeah, bro. Actually, is, isn't, isn't Dom another one? Dom or Don? Yeah, Dom, yep.
1: Dom is uh, the bromance, you know? Like, okay. I could be your Dom to your Marcus,
0: bro. <laughs> yeah, why don't you lead in with that, bro? How many Gears of War characters can you name? Uh, Well, I, I looked it up, so. Uh, Anya Not Stroud,
1: bad. Augustus uh. Cole... <laughs> Bear, okay, Carmine. That one. <laughs> it's all coming you remember, back. You it's remember Carmine, back. the character that dies in every Gears of War? What? He's the Kenny of Gears of War. Yeah, him and his. Well, it's his brothers, but there's one in every, every uh, <laughs> Gears,
0: and they all poor die. Poor mom, poor mom. <laughs> it's like Saving Private Ryan. It's like, oh, I had four boys, they all died and went to war. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a Saving Private Ryan because the one
1: doesn't die. So in the third game, they find they drop it. That he survives. Oh, so. oh well, that's, that's very cheap. Way to go, Xbox. <laughs> and you're probably wondering, why is Nick leading the show this way? But uh, we're, you're going to find out as we have a traitor among us.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to enjoy video games. Okay. It's, it's certainly not me. I am not the traitor. <laughs> not
1: me. All right. Well, let's, well, we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> yes, we will. We will. We will shortly. Alright, so this is how the show works. John and I both bring three things to talk about. It can be about all about Xbox. It can be our favorite Xbox franchise. It can be Xbox and the news. You know that like, we can't wait till Xbox finishes its acquisition of Activision Blizzard. You know, mm-hmm. it can be an email, the PlayStationPalspod at gmail.com, a Twitter DM at PSPalsPod, or a comment on our YouTube page, PlayStation Pals, any of those things. We feel like it, we bring it. And now normally in the show, John is, we're both usually aware of all six topics, but I'm yes. hiding the first two topics from John this time. Are yeah, you excited? A little,
0: no, it makes me a little nervous. I don't know if I'm about to be <laughs> clowned or if I'm about to be, show how truly little I do know about video games, but I'm, I'm ready for it either way. I never clown you on this podcast, ever. Not even within a minute ago. <laughs> uh, you clown me all the time, but that's that's what you do
1: okay well the first topic i am going to bring is an email john
0: we got no an email way. we got an email yeah from who from who uh, is it somebody somebody i know personally uh no it's not oh well, okay well i wouldn't bring that okay okay i'm so, excited now no i am excited all right are you ready you ready ready yes all right
1: Hey Nick and John, my name is Jesse and I live in New Zealand. I've no just way. discovered your podcast this week and I've been listening listening to it from the beginning. I play video games every day but don't have any friends who play them, so I love listening to you guys talk about the latest news, upcoming releases and your opinions on things. I just wanted to say keep up the good work and I'm looking forward to catching up to your latest podcast. Thanks. Jesse.
0: Oh, Jesse, my guy. Jesse, <laughs> Jesse Pinkman from New Zealand, dude. Well, th- thanks thanks for writing in, Jesse. That that's probably, you know, this alongside with the early uh, letter we got from Mark are now my two shining moments on this show. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's kind of kind of why we do It's yeah. for this very reason. This is how kind of why I got into podcasts is because nobody liked video games on the same level that I did. So, right. I couldn't get the interaction that I was looking for um, when it came to like you know playing all the the most recent releases in the way that you and I consume video games. So that's how I fell into podcasts years and years and years and years ago. Uh, so I'm glad that we're providing that same kind of entertainment for person all across uh, across the world too. Not even not even remotely local. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the fact that my voice is being heard in the country that I want to visit probably most in this world is is a really cool <laughs> feeling. Um, so Jesse, know that your life is amazing and uh, us over here in the United States are very jealous of the the beautiful landscape and awesome prime minister that you at least had. I'm not sure who your prime minister is now, but Jacinda seemed to be awesome and uh, I'm jealous in every facet of your life and I'm going to come visit you one day. So whenever <laughs> I book my ticket to New Zealand, I expect to be uh, have a bed ready for me. I expect uh, some uh, New Zealand food. I don't know if, you know, some, you know, uh, tribal food, the Maori tribe, you know, whatever they got going on over there. But uh, I I expect the red carpet to be rolled out whenever I do come. Um, So... Uh, awesome to hear though Jesse really for, for real man um, or maybe maybe your girl I, I you know I hope that's not offensive but Jesse can go both ways but please write us back let us know you know what are your favorite games what do you like to play uh, if you want to share us your uh, PSN network name or anything like that um, you know we're happy to kind of just become friends on there and we can always see what each other are playing um, you know all that all that good kind of stuff but happy to hear from you Jesse.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, and it might be a while since he said he's catching up on all of our episodes.
0: <laughs> so. That's that's okay. That's okay. I mean, <laughs> it'll it'll be like Christmas morning whenever it comes, just a surprise Christmas morning whenever he gets current and and uh, accepts my invitation or I accept his invitation to to come and live with him in New Zealand. So it's awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah, I know uh, John was having a, a rough week, so I knew that would pick you up, John. That that. Do people actually like listening to you?
0: Yes. Yeah, that, that, does, that does pick me up. Thank, thank you, Nick. <laughs> thank you, Jesse. Um, all good now. I feel, I feel refreshed. I feel rejuvenated.
1: <laughs> all right. And then our, uh, we'll move on to our next topic. Uh, it's another mystery topic. John does not aware of this. And mm. it is an Xbox trivia contest for our oh newly boy. found Xbox on the show.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> See how well he, right. he knows his new platform. Not very well if, it's, if any of the uh, questions are from, like, this year backwards. <laughs> so, <laughs> but let's give it a shot. All right. It's multiple choice, so
1: at least you can okay. uh, give, give your best guess, all right?
0: Yep, yep.
1: All right. Question number one. Wait, wait, wait before your... you start, how
0: many, que- how many questions am I getting? Five. i I'll uh, prepare myself. Five, okay. Five questions, okay.
1: All right. Some are softball, some are a little harder, all right? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. When did your new Lord and Savior, Phil Spencer, become head of Xbox? Was it 2018, 2014, 2011, or 2020?
0: 2014, 2011, 2018, or 2020? Yep. Uh, I believe it was 2014 because it was right after the Xbox One launched, and he kind of took over. Um, to you know, become everybody's best friend, or everybody wants to be his best friend. I think so. I'm gonna go with uh, 2014. Okay, you're right. Good yeah. job. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. It, that seems about right. I was. It was either between that or 2011. Um. I know he's been around for for a little while now. So. Um. But yeah, I, I believe it was right after the Xbox One launched. Mm-hmm. Yay. Mm-hmm. Good. Yay. That's I'm the best.
1: Yay. All right. Question number two. What franchise has sold the most for Xbox? Is it Hmm. Gears of War, Forza, Connect Adventures, (laughs) Halo,
0: or Sea of Thieves? Hmm. So you said franchise, correct? Correct. Okay, okay. So obviously right off the bat, Forza and Halo kind of stand out because of just the sheer amount of, of releases. Um can you, go, can you go through them one more time for me, Nick? I know Sea of Thieves, Halo, Forza, and what were the other two? Gears of War and Kinect Adventures. Kinect Adventures. That's, that's, a, that's a surprise one because I know it was bundled in with something when the Kinect was, was in everything. So there's like, it's like the Wii Sports of the Xbox. But <laughs> I think this is one of those scenarios where you kind of have to go with the expected answer. I think it's, I, I got to go with Halo just because it dominated so much of the early cycle for Xbox. Halo. You are correct. Halo
1: is yeah. number one at 81 million. Okay. Now, this is, at, in fact, the top five selling franchises on Xbox. Can you okay. name them in order now going down from Halo?
0: Okay. For bonus points. So, so, Halo, Forza, Connect, Gears, and Sea of Thieves. <sighs> I'm gonna go Gears next, Forza after that, Connect Adventures, Sea of Thieves. Okay, let's see how you
1: did. Gears of War is in fact number two at okay. 41 million. Okay. Connect Adventures is uh. number three at 24 million, followed by Forza at 16 million and Sea
0: of Thieves at 15 million. Okay, that's, I feel pretty good about that. I always switched up, what, three and four? That's not bad, you know. Yeah. yeah, that connect one. I wasn't. I wasn't quite sure where to where to place that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. But I. I knew it was a bundled thing, but I didn't know how high it rose. But I can feel. I can feel good about that.
1: Yeah, it is definitely the the you know the the stick and the spokes to throw you off. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what uh, the average play time for that game is. But also, the other interesting thing is how well Sea of
0: Thieves did. Like that. Yeah, it's good. Good it's, for good for them in rare. It's probably the biggest success that Xbox has had this entire generation, I would say. I mean, it's it quietly just chugs along. People love it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, if you're into it or not.
1: Okay. Cool. All right. I don't even I wonder if you even need the multiple choice answers for this, but if you do, cool. I can give them. What mm-hmm. color is infamous for being part of the
0: giant Xbox 360 recall? Uh, the red ring of death. That mm-hmm. red ring of death. Mm-hmm. Were you what, sad like 50- about
1: that? That your beloved Xbox had such a blemish on its career.
0: <laughs> that that was the well. I guess I've always been a PlayStation guy, but I feel like my PlayStation like stance really started with the PS3. So now fuck the Xbox 360, dude. That thing was overrated. <laughs> <laughs> it was why it was like wasn't it like fifty percent of Xboxes experienced that or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah, mine did. Yeah, I remember yeah. I had to send it in for it, so. What percent of Xbox has got the red ring of death? Let me see. It's also like, it's also- 54.2%, woof. Woof. Well,
1: and, I mean, that's, you know, who, how do you know how many people that just went and bought a new Xbox when it happened? Who didn't even like report it, right? But- uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, but, I, I, wanna, I mean, I would imagine Microsoft has some data on that of, or maybe just a console that just never, never gets connected to a network again, but yeah. But I also do want to point out, like, this this
1: defined consoles in the future. Like, not Microsoft, not Sony ever wanted to go through this ever after no. this, you know. Like, so when people complain about how big the PlayStation 5 is, you know, it's this very reason. Like, the, X, the Red Ring of Death was caused by overheating. Uh, uh, this was is it? the same okay. thing. Like, they, like the, the why you have such a big, bulky PlayStation 5 right now is because they were really worried about that happening. So, you know,
0: yeah, like. I, I mean that. Yeah, that's because not only from just a optics and PR standpoint how much that would suck, but like just financially, I would I would imagine Microsoft was probably the only company that could have went through what they did and mm-hmm. just be able to absorb the cost of that to to continue making consoles in the future because. You know the amount of, of resources to have all your customers send that shit in, have the employ the people to fix it, get them all shipped back out, man. That's that's just a lot of sunken cost. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot this, of sunken this,
1: cost. So again, like we're all for competition. We, I mean, I mean, John really, really, really loves Xbox, and but I like them <laughs> for because they make Sony better, you know. So. You're
0: hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. We're on to question number four. Okay. Is when did the Xbox platform first launch? When did that first console come out? Was it 2001? Was it 2003? Was it 1999? Or was it 2005? 2001,
0: 2005, Three. 2003.
1: Is 1999.
0: this uh, two thousand um, shit, 2003 or 2001, the PS2 was 2000, so 2001, 2001, yep, pretty, pretty sure. Oh, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, you're, yep. You're on fire. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I am truly an Xbox
1: elite. All right, let's see, can he, can he, can he shoot 100%? Let's let's see if you can get this last question right. So question number five. How many studios does Xbox have pre purchase of Activision Blizzard? Do they have of okay. Do they have fifteen? Mm-hmm. Do they have twenty one? Mm-hmm.
0: Do they have
1: twenty-three?
0: Or Ooh. do they have thirty? Ooh, it's one of the middle two. One in the middle, two. I know it's in the 20s. Um, I'm going to go with 23.
1: Wow. Look at, look at John. Yeah. He is the next spot.
0: I am. <laughs> Phil Spencer, man. We're going to become best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. 100%. Look at, look at me. Look at me. I do, know, I do know a thing or two about video games. <laughs> and you call yourself a playstation fan i, I i'm
1: beginning to question that now
0: hey hit, hit me with the playstation quiz next week we'll see <laughs> except you're gonna make it you're gonna make it way harder to prove a point <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so now we can move into a topic that john is aware about and is about playstation finally we can yes. uh, stop can stop teasing him for a minute here for one topic <laughs> yes <laughs> but uh We briefly touched on this in past episodes, but the PlayStation blog launched a article that talked about the 13 unmissable games launching in the second half of 2023. So they highlighted and handpicked 13 games that are coming out in this jam-packed second half of the year that that they deem unmissable. But, Mm -hmm. you know... Especially John, who doesn't like PlayStation, but me. I'm gonna, we're going we're to take PlayStation to task to see if they chose the correct 13. And if okay. they, in fact, did pick 13 unmissable games. Uh, some of these games are going to be really easy because we've talked about them on the show. We've talked about how much we love them and how excited we are for them. So a lot of these will just be like, yeah, you, they picked right. But there are some, some curveballs here. So let's see if they did, in fact, pick 13 unmissable games. And the very first one is Immortals of Avium coming August 22nd from Electronic Arts. This is the first person magic game where you play as a battle mage. Uh, It was featured in the PlayStation Showcase. It was featured in Summer Game Fest. So we've seen it quite a few times. John, is this an
0: unmissable game? Nah, this one's this one you can miss. I think yeah. I think it I think people will have. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that enjoy it, uh, but I would expect this is kind of a middling, you know, uh, '80s level kind of game that uh, is going to have a lot of cool things about it. You know, just looking at the screenshot that they put uh, put on the blog, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of cool things about it, right? Who doesn't like firing a big laser beam from their hand? But um, just based on some of the gameplay we've seen of it, it looks a little slow and sluggish, um, which kind of surprised me when we first saw it. So um, I, I think this one is allowed to be missed by people, but um, it, it could be a, a surprise—a surprise good game, I suppose. But no, nah, I wouldn't—I mm-hmm. wouldn't sweat it if you can't make time for this one. Sure, I am with you on that. I think this is. Hmm.
1: I don't know. It could be good, but I do think it is unmissable at this point of point in time is very questionable. So I'm going to say... Yeah, hey, I mean, EA this, is, you know, it's it, this
0: isn't is the EA from back in the day, right? This is this is no. new EA. They're kind of, you know, pretty good at these single-player games now. At least, you know, the teams that they own, you think of Respawn and whatnot. But um, this is from Ascendant Studios, which, Nick, is this their first game? I, I'm not sure yes. if I know that. Yes, it is. It is. Okay. So obviously always... Um, always up in the air when it comes to that then. But I don't know. It seems like EA does have some good leadership at the top. They have a good structure and a good plan for their business. So, you know, this could just be another studio that's going to push the single player games forward. So we'll keep an eye on it, but don't sweat it, as we said, if you can't play it.
1: Yeah, correct. All right. The next game, Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. We talked about it last week. Uh, Yeah, this is probably an unmissable game. John, John, for sure. Uh, I'm uh, yeah. need to play
0: it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think this is um, this is going to be an unmissable one. I think, you know, despite, Nick, I know you're a little unsure. I just, I have so much faith in From Software, and similar to what I was just kind of saying about EA. I just think the leadership team at the top of that studio would not settle for anything less than uh, the caliber of games that they've been putting out in the last 10 years. So um, even if it's not, you know, your soul's, your Souls-like game that you would come to expect from that team. I expect a very high-quality product um, that's going to be fun and customizable. You know, there might be some shitty missions here or there, but I expect to see awesome boss fights, cool environments, big open, you know, kind of uh, environment to explore, and uh, I, I know I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's a safe pick to say it is unmissable. Yes, Moving on, we have Goodbye Volcano High coming August 29th from Co-op. This is an indie game, a narrative indie game, in which you play a bunch of dinosaurs in high school, and they have to deal with their impending extinction. Uh, We've brought this up before. I'm trying to remember in what context. We have talked about this game. I'm sure it showed up somewhere in some showcase
0: and yeah, it's, point, it's been but. floating around for a long time. Um, you know, I think it was first shown off in either 2020 or maybe even before that. But uh, it's been delayed a couple times. There was also some sort of weird uh, knockoff game that came out um, like a year or so ago. That was like a direct ripoff of it. That you know, I think there was some legal action and things like that. But so it's always floated around the the news cycle. But uh this game I would say is unmissable if you're the type of person that listens to music while you stare at your shoes um you know that <laughs> if you're kind Wait, what of does into, that mean? it's like you know like if you listen to this trailer man it's like that smiths kind of music that's like <laughs> like it's very it's very just melodramatic and just kind of quiet and like like we're all so everything's so dramatic and I don't know mm-hmm. I think this game is 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 going to it the art style is very distinct. It's very pretty. Lots of sharp lines. Like it's going to play like there's probably going to be a good story following here. You know, it's it's an interesting dynamic that you have this high school of dinosaurs and, you know, they literally know the end of the world is coming, so, you know, you can't really make higher stakes than that, but I don't know I I'm just gonna say it. I would judge you if if, if you have this on your your home screen. You know, it's <laughs> not it's it's not it, it's a it's an interesting one, but not for me. Not yeah, for it's, me. Yeah, so
1: it's really gonna be about the writing on this one, so, uh, and again, it's an unproven studio, so it, who knows, you know? Yeah, who knows, but, just, I, but, it, but I would say it is probably, it could be missable, so I, I'm i not gonna sit here and say that it's not.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I th- yeah, I think this will be for a very specific uh, type of person, and uh, it's probably gonna be high quality, but yeah, not not for everyone.
1: All right, next is Sea of Stars coming August 29th. We talked about it last week. It's coming to PlayStation Plus Extra. This this is in fact a unmissable game.
0: Yes, yes, this is absolutely unmissable. And and luckily for all of us uh, PlayStation fans that are subscribed to Extra, you will not miss it. In fact, you will have it uh, ready to download on that same day. yeah, I don't know if you have anything more to say about this nope. game, Nick, but I th- I'm pretty sure I've sp- I've spoken my head of my my mind about it. Gorgeous art, sure. can't wait to play it.
1: Yeah, very true. So they they're right on that one. That is definitely mm-hmm. unmissable. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is a game that's been taking over the internet this week, Baldur's Gate Three, coming September sixth to PS Five, but is currently on out on PC and has taken over the internet. Uh, it's the number one game mm-hmm. on Twitch. Uh, all the sites are constantly writing about it. I believe it did get an open critic score. John, mm-hmm. I think we 92. were right on this one. I believe. Yeah, it's I think it. you
0: nailed it. Right, you you bullseyed that one. I do believe.
1: Yeah, it's at a 92 right now. So again, top reviewed game of the of the year up there. Not Legend Tears of the Kingdom, but you know a lot of reviews haven't come out yet. So we'll see. It-
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, this definitely could, could the score, I would say the score is more likely to increase than probably decrease once we start to see scores come out. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, this this game, go
1: ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, my only concern is how this is gonna play on PlayStation. I've been watching people stream it on Twitch. And one guy was in the inventory screen just trying to barter with a merchant. And I was like, that is insane to play with on a controller. Like, the amount of crap you pick up and have to sort through. I was like, I really hope this is streamlined to play on a controller.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I expect it to be pretty good. I mean, Divinity never had any complaints when it came to that. So, Larian, at least, uh, has had some experience uh, getting these games to work on consoles effectively. I mean, I will admit, too, though, Nick, I was like, I wonder if I should try and set up a PC and look at the specs and, and play this on with a mouse because, uh, yeah, it's got to be such a much uh, such a better experience. But um, it's always good when a game comes out and it lives up to the hype that it has. You know, Baldur's Gate 2 is one of the most famous RPG games of all time. It came out all the way back in the year 2000. So 23 years later, to get a sequel to that from a studio as high, highly skilled as Larian is always exciting. Uh, and it seems like people are just devouring this game. The amount of insane, insane things that you can do just from a role playing standpoint, you know this really is the D experience that I think you know D D lovers have been waiting for. So uh, definitely unmissable if you are willing to put in the effort and are not easily intimidated.
1: Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm still on the fence, but I probably. Oh, won't you're, get getting this. you're getting it. Shut
0: up. It's gonna <laughs> yeah. be the it's gonna be the Street Fighter Six situation. You're gonna be like, oh, yeah, oh, it really oh, is oh. already. I and mean, I'm all, watching it on Twitch, which is already a bad sign. It's like, ooh. Yep. <laughs> They're both ninety twos. You're not. You can't. Yeah. yeah. And I'll probably be right there, right there with you at some point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving, <coughs> moving into September now, or well, that game was in September, so we're already in September. But coming September 14th is the Crew Motor Fe- Motor Fest from Ubisoft, the next entry in the Crew series. Uh, this is a free uh, open world driving game. So uh, obviously your mileage will vary on. That type of video game which is not my mm-hmm. thing so this will be a miss for me but uh any interest on your end john
0: no I, I gotta admit i'm i'm pretty ignorant when it comes to what the crew actually is i know i know it's the open world driving game but it, you know is it is it like forza horizon or is it more like race oriented I'm, I'm kind of unsure of what this even is if i'm being honest
1: yeah i would say that i watched the presentation at ubisoft for this summer and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it is very much like a Forza Horizon. Like I, I, I and that in that light, that's really good for PlayStation owners, right? They don't have access to Forza Horizon or, or really much uh, arcade racers in general. So this this could be a great game on PlayStation. This could actually do very well. Uh, but uh, again, driving's not my thing, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm watching like you know, I'm, I just pulled up. Crew 2 into YouTube and like the first thing I saw was a, a drive from Detroit to Las Vegas and it takes him 25 minutes so like I don't know that could be kind of cool if it's if if they can take the time like you know it'd be really interesting to get this type of game with the Asobo team involved you know the guys who do a Microsoft Flight Simulator to have some sort of you know ultra realistic road landscape but I don't know man the first crew reviewed at a 62 the second crew reviewed at a 66 I, I don't know you know this—it's definitely missable for me. It might be some, like you said, a good game for the people that um, are only on PlayStation and want this kind of experience. But uh, I think they need to really up the level of quality to get into the uh, unmissable level.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: All right. I'm just gonna play Forza Horizon on my play on my my beloved oh, Xbox that's right. Series yeah. X. I'm yeah, sorry. I'll just play well, that. How instead. did I miss that? that dig into
1: alright so moving on we're on to Mortal Kombat 1 a game we've talked about again uh, multiple times on this show coming September 19th from NetherRealm and Warner Brother Games uh, this is a game that due to that combat pack 1 that we talked about last week is missable on September 19th but maybe a year from then is unmissable <laughs> Yeah. After all those characters have come out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is a really easy one. This is unmissable if you're a fighting fan. I mean, straight up. Mm-hmm. If you're not a fighting fan, whatever. But, um, you know, this seems to be, you know, top notch. Fighting games, I think, are having a very much of a renaissance period. Um, so, you know, we'll see if Netherrealm can keep stride with Capcom or, or if it's just kind of more of the same. But, like you said, with the combat pack and the people. Uh, the characters that are in this game, I think it's uh, going to be a lot of fun for the people who like fighting games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely apparent. And I, is, it's Evo this week, isn't it?
0: Weekend. I I don't know that, but I know it's always in August, so <laughs> you're probably correct. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Yep. August 4th to August 6th. Yeah, it's going on right yeah. now. So there'll probably be some uh, uh, Mortal Kombat news this
1: weekend, so... All right. Where is EVO? So, is that
0: in Vegas? Where Where is uh, that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in Vegas. Okay. All right. Moving on, uh, the probably the weirdest one
1: of this whole list, the uh, Eternites.
0: Eternites? Eternites? E- Eternites? I would say e- it starts like eternal, so it's gotta be Eternites. Yeah.
1: Eternites coming September twenty first from Studio Psy. This is looks to be a JRPG that is. Trying to uh, channel as much persona as possible. Mm-hmm. There is a big focus on bonds with other characters and uh, love interest, um, and then some kind of third-person fighting. It looks like. But uh, what do you think, John? Is Etern
0: Nights unmissable? Uh, this is very much a wait-and-see review kind of game. I mean, I, <laughs> I, um, when when I when I first opened this list to look through them, this was the. Uh, the one that stood, out, I was like, "Really? You're going to put this one on the list?" But then I, I did open up a trailer, and like you said, Nick, saw the evident persona um, uh, likenesses. You know, they even have the date thing going on in the top right corner. So you're going on this, it's this uh, calendar type system, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems like it's trying to do that, the Persona thing, but with some action RPG combat. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be on the mature side. In the trailer, there's even, like, a little cutscene where a guy's arm gets chopped off and there's blood flying everywhere. So it's not, it's not going to be, um, super, you know, kid-friendly, but, um, I think it, you know, it could come out and could surprise people. Again, Studio Psy, this is their first game, so, you know, nothing to really go go on with that, but, um... I think it's. I think it has potential, but as of right now, not unmissable.
1: Correct. I agree with you. All
0: I like right. that you're like giving me like, oh, you, you, yes, you're correct or incorrect on these. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have like a, a list in front of you that says unmissable or missable next to each one.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just you know, going off my. A lot of these are just your gut feeling, right? Like you don't no, have I a know. lot to go on, other, unless it's an obvious returning franchise or you For know, sure. a, obvious. Yeah, big, big game, but uh Alright, speaking of big games, we have the next mm-hmm. entry in the Assassin's Creed franchise, Assassin's Creed Mirage coming in October October 12th to be specific coming from Ubisoft. Now this is was going to be yet another expansion for Assassin's Creed Valhalla but they decided to break it off into its own game so that's why this is a $50 Assassin's Creed game uh, John, is this mm-hmm. game in fact unmissable? It Looks to be channeling the old Assassin's Creed original, the, the very, 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 very first game, you know, 20 entries ago. So,
0: yeah. Uh, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I don't think it's possible for a game in the Assassin's Creed franchise at this day and age to be unmissable. There's just simply too many of them. Um, mm-hmm. But it, at least it is going back to that original formula, um, you know, on modern day consoles. It's kind of a bummer. It's coming to PS4 also. It would have been. Would have been nicer to see, you know, what does Assassin's Creed look like truly on next gen? Hmm. Since this will be the second game in the Assassin's Creed franchise on PS5, that is that is both on PS4, which is kind of a bummer. But um, no, I, I think you know it'll be interesting to see. You know, can Ubisoft go back to this style of game, and you know, ha, does it have a does it have room to live alongside the modern formula, or is this just going to be kind of a one off thing? But uh, no, I, I I'm not. Not really too eager to jump into this one, but I know there's probably a ton, a ton of people that are since every single Assassin's Creed is absolutely huge. So, not yeah. unmissable for me. But it's yeah.
1: Yeah, I, one of my biggest problems with the, the the most recent trilogy of Assassin's Creed games was their length, like how long right. they are. So maybe like a, a shorter, smaller experience that this is presenting to be could could be really fun and. With Ubisoft games, you know, a month from this game's release, it'll be at least twenty
0: dollars off. You know, oh, like, this is black. F- this is Black Friday bait, dude. If it's fifty bucks <laughs> on launch, it's going to be twenty on Black Friday. Twenty twenty. Right. Exactly. Maybe maybe thirty, but yeah. yeah. If you can wait a little bit, for sure. Yeah, and uh,
1: and as we'll get into the upcoming games after this, is like,
0: yeah, you might as well wait till
1: Black Friday because uh, mm-hmm. there, there's some there's it's got a lot of hot games on its heels, so. Speaking of games right on the heels of Assassin's Creed Mirage, Alan Wake 2 is coming October 17th from Remedy Entertainment. We have talked about this game a lot on this show. Uh, It's the sequel to Alan Wake 1, in which you play as Alan Wake, and uh, a new character, Saga Anderson, in which you have parallel narrative stories, uh, in which you're trying to figure out what is going on. (laughs) What (laughs) what is all this insanity? Uh, It is a third-person... Uh, survival game as i'd put it in the same vein of resident evil and dead space but it definitely has a giant mystery attached to it um but and as we talked about on this very show this is a digital only game you cannot get a physical copy of it but john is this in is this in is in fact an unmissable game
0: (laughs) yeah i think this one will be unmissable um you know, I never played the first Alan Wake, so I don't have that frame of reference, but I've heard the story about it, or the story of it is what makes it kind of special. The gameplay feels very dated, so uh, bringing the controls to modern day with the level of story that they uh, wrote with the first one could be a really cool experience. Uh, I love the Pacific Northwest as a setting. I just think that's a, a really cool place, as you know, especially if you're going to uh, add some horror ties to it. But yeah we'll, we'll see if this one can kind of bring a close to one of the greatest years in horror survival horror years or one of the greatest survival horror years in memory and um, it seems like everybody who's talking about this game is very excited has high expectations so um, I'm kind of feeding off of that and, and think it will be um, unmissable especially coming out around Halloween
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah that's a good point that it's it's the right time of year to have a horror game come out, because we're all in the mood for spooky things. So, mm-hmm. uh, But it does have one giant problem, and that is three days later, Marvel Spider-Man 2 is
0: out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do we yes. even need to talk about it?
0: <laughs> no. No, it's unmissable. Move yeah. on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next, we're moving on to November, and that is Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name, coming from Sega. This is coming November 9th. Uh, again, this is the another side entry in the Yakuza, now Like a Dragon franchise. Uh, we're going back to uh, Kiryu Kazuma this time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, John, yeah,
0: what do, what do you think about this one? <laughs> um, I think that... I don't know. I don't really know what to think about this one because the Yakuza franchise has, has blown up in the past, you know, five to ten years over here in the West. It's always been a big series uh, over in Japan, but... Um, you know, it seems like they really hit their stride with Yakuza uh, 0, I want to say, when they did the prequel and then everybody's like, "Oh, what is this franchise?" And so to see it, you know, kind of evolve into what it is now, which is that turn-based thing with like a dra- um like a dragon. Is is that just what it's called Yakuza Like a Dragon? Like the the turn-based one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the, with that, you know, it's it's um really starting to evolve, so to go back to its original roots uh, with a a next-gen version uh, is exciting, but I kind of expect this to be a smaller experience, Um, so if you're somebody who really is into the character of Kiryu Kazuma, um, you know, it may be unmissable, but I don't know if it's going to have a lot of relevance going forward in the series, and being that it is a smaller side game, um, I could see it just being something that is there for the people who really, really like Yakuza, but... If you're not crazy about it, like, you know, I, I think there's going to be other things to play at this time of year, probably. But I oh. think it will be high quality.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned its relevance in this series because if it is a, you know, uh, a, a prequel of sorts to Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, uh, the eight yeah. official entry in this franchise, uh, as someone who did Finite Love. Loved like a dragon. Yakuza like a dragon. God, this
0: naming convention is confusing. Yeah, they're getting confusing. It's, I don't <laughs> like it. I, I mean, I understand why they switched it, but I don't like it.
1: That it might be nice to come back uh, for me uh, the, to come back to this because it is uh, it is a little different than all the games we've listed before. You know, like like you not say on saying Yakuza. like it like a dragon <laughs> is is so unique and the characters are so weird and interesting that uh, you know that this could this could come back and I could I could come back to this franchise this to get ready for the next one and and really love this game but I don't think I'll be coming back on November 9th uh, to no, play it. no, no. it'll be it'll be a watch game because as as we've mentioned on this very show every one of these Yakuza games have come to PlayStation plus extra or essentials at this point right. so you know th- this game could easily be added in the lead up to uh, like a dragon infinite well so I will. It, yeah. I I would say it might be unmissable, but it is missable for November 9th.
0: All all I want though is high review scores, it's in my it's in my fantasy league. So oh yeah, <laughs> so that's all I care about with that one. Okay. All right. Well,
1: we made it to the finish line. Our last game coming December seventh, Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora coming from Ubisoft. We have talked about this when we talked about uh, you know, the E3 season and Ubisoft 4. This is basically. Uh, a Far Cry game with the Avatar paint job, as mm-hmm. we've said previously. Uh, but John, how do you feel about it now that we're a little, we're you know, two months from when we last saw it? Are you do you still feel kind of stronger about this than we did when it was initially announced? And do you do you deem it unmissable?
0: I do feel stronger about it um, than when I when it was originally announced. I think it will be. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a fun time. I think the world is going to be, you know, pretty cool and interesting. It's it's just, you know, they can get really fucking wacky with it. You know, you got floating islands and mountains in the skies and, and crazy things. But I got I to gotta admit, Nick, I don't think there's a, any possible way that I could put a Ubisoft open world game in my unmissable category until it comes out and they can show me that this is something fresh or new or original or something like if it's if it's far cry avatar then that's cool and i'll probably want to play it when it's a little bit cheaper but for it to truly be unmissable ubisoft needs to show me some sort of evolution in their formula and i don't know when that's going to happen or if it'll ever will happen um but that's kind of what i'm looking for to get into that unmissable level
1: yeah yeah and uh again this was my pick for a delayed game as well so I <laughs> yeah. it'll even come out this year, but uh, yeah, I, it's one to watch f- for sure. But I don't know about saying unmissable. Um, I, I think also your your interest in the franchise as well uh, will factor in there. And I'm just not—I haven't even seen the last movie, so.
0: No, I haven't either. I don't know. I, st- I started it and I was just like, Ugh, I gotta be in the right mood for this, man. It was yeah. immediately just like, blew people all over the place and I was like, ah, my sensory overload, so um, <laughs> you know, but you know, it, I it I feel like that is a great world to lend itself to video games so I'm sure it'll sure. be
1: fun. Yep. Alright, so that's it. We did all 13 games again. Uh, we don't think the entire list is unmissable but I think we'll agree that it is a very good list and
0: you know we're at least yeah, watching all 13 games. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it was Armored Core, Sea of Stars, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, Alan Wake and Spider-Man. Those are your unmissable games.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Those are yeah, Not a definitely bad all Not, ba- not a bad second half. This, yeah, this this year. So the rest of them yeah. possibly, but uh, again, yeah. Uh, yeah, now it's, it's a curious. really solid list. You can't can't argue.
0: I'll be curious to see if if you can finish Baldur's Gate. I, I want to see how quickly you if you pick it up and get into it, because I was I was impressed with your Persona Five time. I think that took you like a month. It wasn't <laughs> as long as I thought. So I'm I'm curious to see if if Baldur's Gate does the same thing. If you, or if you just get so sucked into like the side stuff, because I imagine it's a game that you can beat in probably eighty to a hundred hours, but you could easily spend probably four to five hundred hours in there just going through and doing crazy things. So
1: yeah. curious to see. Yeah. It, yeah it'll, well it'll be interesting too with that like again that time period right it's I'll, I'll definitely be checking out Sea of Stars I don't know how long that is will yeah. you come to me and say you have to play Armored Core 6 and then yeah, Cyberpunk yeah, Phantom yeah. Liberty is three weeks later Ooh, so forgot about that one <laughs> which was not on list, that but also one of my most anticipated games of fall so uh, you yeah, you're, we'll you're gonna, see.
0: You're going to smoke that <laughs> game, though. I bet when that game comes out, you, you devour it and have it done within a week or two, would be my guess. True. That's true. So, That's true. we'll see. But All right. All right. Well, we reached the point of the show, Nick, that your your um, attacks and your mockings uh, are, <laughs> are going to finally show themselves. But uh, bringing a game today, guys, um, I finally decided... Uh, that I was going to kind of just reinvest myself into the Xbox ecosystem after beating Final Fantasy XVI. I thought, you know, now's a good time to check out some of the things that have been on Game Pass uh, that I, have you know, uh, haven't been able to. I had the dollar monthly trial thing, so I was like, well, for a dollar, why not? Um, And so first on the list... Uh, I had to check it out. It came out uh, January 23rd of this year, Shadow Dropped, uh, from Tango Gameworks, the studio uh, that is most famously spearheaded by Shinji Mikami, creator of Resident Evil. Um, they decided they wanted to do a drastic 180 and release one of the most like joyful, fun, colorful video gamey games I've played in a while. And Nick, I'm sure you know what it is. Uh, and that's Hi Fi mm-hmm. Rush. Hi Fi Rush. Um, you know, I remember when this game immediately got shown, Nick was like, Dude, did you see this thing? And I was like, Yeah, I don't know, it looks fine. And you're like, What what are you talking about? You're you're an idiot. And <laughs> Yep, you were right. You were right, Nick. You this game mm-hmm. is just pure joy. Um, so to kind of set it up a little bit, you play as uh, Chai who is kind of this early 20s, cool and calm protagonist dude who's just always got something quippy and funny to say. Um, he basically has gets a mechanical arm attached to him um, by this mega company, Vandalay Industries, who definitely acts as the protagonist company uh, of the story. But uh, early on, we find out that this arm kind of gives him this you know extra power where he is able to almost summon parts all around him that forms this like guitar type weapon that he can wield to uh start attacking robots and obviously uh the the thing that stands out most about this game is its combat system it's 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 really kind of cool what they do um it's it's all entirely rhythm based so while you're going throughout the level, you know there's all this there's this constant beat driving for 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 the music people out there. It's just this like four four time, right? You just think bop 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 bop, and you got a little like sidekick uh, cat character who's got a flashing light that kind of shows on. You can hit a button that shows another meter underneath you, so you can kind of get your timing down. But as you start to see all the timing in the world, you incorporate that into your combat. So you have a light attack button, uh, that acts as a single beat type of attack, and then you have a heavy attack button that acts as uh once every two beats, right? So if you do if you do light, 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 you would get four attacks in, in that four four time signature. If you do heavy, you're gonna get one, two, right? If that makes does that make sense, Nick?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yep. So as you go through these in combat encounters, um, the game really starts to encourage you to just mix in different combinations. So, for instance, if you do uh, force combination and it's going to kind of um, end with a a specific attack. If you do light, heavy, heavy, that'll do a different thing. Uh, Heavy, light, light, that'll do a different thing. And then you start to incorporate a little bit more uh, complex ones. Like you might get a, a light, heavy, light, light, light. And as you start to do these different attacks, Um, you're going to increase your damage output, right? If you're able to do a a variety of combinations, you're gonna increase your damage output as well as increase your score. Uh, You're constantly getting scored in this game very much like a Devil May Cry where it's evaluating your combat on a, a, a letter grade system. You start out as a C, B, A, all the way up to an S. Um, So as you perform different combinations, it increases that and it always just feels good to, you know, get up to that S level where you're kind of just in this flow state, really doing a lot of cool um, different combinations. Uh, But one thing that adds an extra layer to to the combat is it has a system called Just Timing. And so as you pull off all these different combos. Uh, after One beat after the end of that combo. You're going to get a ring that's going to kind of appear in the middle of the screen. It's going to start to shrink. And there's a green little area that if you hit another attack button in that area. It's going to pull off a Just Timing. And it's basically an extra attack that's going to give you even more damage. Um, so it adds a, an extra layer to that. On top of all this. With that beat system that's going on, you don't have to be exactly on beat to attack an enemy. You could, in fact, be completely off beat, and you're still going to attack. But what's cool is if you can hit the beats, you're going to uh, get, like, you're, the crowd's going to start cheering you on. Your your damage output's going to be increased, so there's all this level of nuance to it uh, that kind of lets it, you know, that lets you really feel like you either do a really, really good job through a combat encounter or you do a really, really bad job. Um, and. More, it's it's honestly a pretty forgiving system. So more often than not, you're going to be doing a good job, and it just it just feels really really good. Um, but the game overall, you know, besides these combat systems, it's pretty simple, quite honestly. Where you're you're going through these twelve stages. At the end of each stage, you're kind of encountering a boss. Um, you know, you have your combat encounter. You go through a very very linear linear corridor, collecting uh, currency along the way. Um, it's kind of a very PS2 level design of of like those Jack and Daxter kind of games. Ratchet and clank, where there might be a little hidden area here or there that's going to have a piece of a of a health icon that's going to level up your health, or you know it might level up your um, your special meter, things like that. But it's really not that complex on that level. What really makes the game shine is you know the interesting combat, and then just the like I said from the from the top, the charm and joyfulness that they put into this game. Incredibly bright colors, cool antagonists that are that are way over the top but in the best of ways um and and genuinely funny dialogue I'm coming across uh, little like uh, journals throughout the world and every single one of them is actually quite funny I'm giggling and chuckling most of my time through it so uh gotta say I'm, I'm obviously really enjoying my time with it um it's probably the first example of a game on Xbox that I'm pretty bummed is not on PlayStation. Um, you know, Nick, I, I think I told this to you at work, but I might actually just bring my Xbox to work and make you take it home because I really think this is going to be a game that you will love. Um, it's just, it just it's just, just a quick 10-hour experience, no DLC, single player. You get in, you get out, you have fun, and I'm tapping my feet the whole way through. So... Um, you know i'm definitely look forward to 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 beating beating the whole thing and then move on to maybe some other game game pass games
1: yeah i'm not a trader john so i'm not touching that xbox
0: but you are you are
1: <laughs> you won't be able to resist but yes all the way back in january when this game shadow dropped i i admitted on this show that you know i don't have very much fomo when it comes to the xbox especially over the last you know five or six years but uh, this was the first case of like oh Wow, I really want to play that game.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: it, and it's not surprising. Like the game looks incredible. That you're having such a great time with it. Uh, do you find the game difficult at all? Like, is it hard? You know, like it's, it's an interesting encounters? question.
0: Um, I, I, it's it's hard to say because I feel like I'm now getting to the point of the game where the the encounters are getting a little bit tough. Like early on, the first three levels, I would I would classify this as an easy game, um, but I just got to a level last night where I got into this random you know, mob encounter and they kind of destroyed me very, very quickly. And I was a little taken aback. But as I went back into the, counter, the encounter, I kind of thought, okay, well, the game is probably now getting to the point where it's needing me to incorporate the systems on a high level that they've kind of been telling me instead of just being able to kind of button mash my way through. There's there's even more depth to the combat that I that I didn't mention. Uh, for instance, you're kind of part of this ragtag group that's trying to take down this Vandalay Industries. And as I mentioned, you have a, a little sidekick cat with you. That's a he's a robot, and your your team is able to basically incorporate their personality into this robot and almost phase shift into combat with you. So you have a, a girl who is able to you're able to hit the right trigger and she pops in and uses like a laser gun to uh, take down. Um, shields that are on enemies that you can't penetrate otherwise you have this big hulking Barrett kind of guy from final fantasy 7 who comes in and he smashes uh dudes that have this armor attached to them that again you can't penetrate unless if you use it um so you're having to kind of start to incorporate these things a little bit more and it is now getting to the point where i can't go through it mindlessly but it's it's somewhere in the middle it's a medium level game as of now
1: okay and do you think this game has a chance of being a nominee for Game of the Year? It is one of the higher reviewed games mm. of the year so far. Uh, do you think it have a chance? I believe what is there six six games they usually choose. Yeah, usually six. Set? Do you think?
0: Do you I think, think it'll Hi-Fi be one Rush. I think Hi-Fi Rush came out at a bad year for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think in a normal year, you know, I think back to two thousand twenty-one when. Uh, the, the Game of the Year nominees were It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, um, Returnal, I believe, a couple of other ones of those. I, I think it would get nominated in a year like that. But in a year with Baldur- Baldur's Gate 3, Tears of the Kingdom, Resident Evil 4, Dead Space, Starfield, Spider-Man 2, Sea of the Stars, eh, I don't think it makes the cut. Um, but it'll definitely get some nominations in, in other categories. Art style, for sure. Um, you know, Maybe some some character work or things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too many good games. I
1: agree, but it has a chance. I well, I mean, we're assuming a lot of other games will review well this year. Uh, If any of those slip, it could
0: could sneak its way in. It it could. I mean, and and it again, it doesn't feel budget by any means. It's high. It's a high quality game, but I I could see some people knocking against it. Just like I said, it's a ten hour experience, twelve levels. You go in, you get out. Mm -hmm. When while I love that. I, I love that about this game because, as a as a dad of three, I don't, I'm not able to get through as many games as I want. Mm-hmm. I could see some people being like, "Well, it's more of a, a budget experience," and it's like, I you know, so those people are wrong. How, but um,
1: they're going to approach Dead Space and Resident Evil Four, which are the other top reviewed games of the year. If they if they even get a nominee or because of their remake status, do they not? Hmm. They not fit, the, yeah. The I bill? mean.
0: Did um, Demon Souls remake or Shadow of the Colossus remake? Did I? I, I wondered. I don't think either of those got nominations.
1: Did RE2, so I, I, or did RE2 remake?
0: RE2 remake. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it did. I. I, I can definitely see uh, the people who vote on this to even if even if it's not disqualified, to just kind of have this air of like, well, I'm gonna honor something new instead. Uh, you know, kind of kind right. of thing about it. So. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, man, uh, you know it's 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 pretty awesome. I, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm not I'm I'm halfway through. I'm on level five of twelve, so uh, you know, got a little bit of ways to go. But hope to have it hope to have it beaten here soon because I got other games it, on Game Pass to my two. point.
1: Resident Evil Two was a Game of the Year nominee, so it was okay. Yeah, so. Uh.
0: Not It'll it, probably, for Resident Evil 4, I'll probably get it then, maybe even Dead Space.
1: Yeah, so not looking good for Hi-Fi Rush, but nonetheless, a, no. a very great game. They give that again, came out of nowhere, you know, yep. like, that's, that's awesome, so.
0: So, yeah, uh, and one one final point here, so um, just the other games I have an eye on from Game Pass, you know, that if I, if I beat get through this, yeah, I know, gross, gross, but... I'm a fan of video games, Nick. All right, I don't, I don't see, <laughs> I don't see consoles. I'm, I, I love all video games. But uh, Pentiment, I, I'm really eager to check out. I just popped into it just to kind of see how it played because I know it's, it's heavy, heavy narrative. But love the art style. Weirdly, am into the 1500 setting because I am. It's just such a blank spot in history that, you know, it, it all seems so weird and kind of almost like it never actually happened. It seems so fantasy and fake. It's a weird thing. Um, but I wanna check out Pentiment. Uh, Signalis, which is a PS1-inspired uh, survival horror-looking game that looks cool. Um, and yeah, and then obviously when Starfield comes out next month, I'll check that out as well, hopefully. But uh, but
1: yeah, so pretty cool stuff. Xbox podcast it is.
0: Yeah, video games, <laughs> podcast Nick. <laughs> All right, um, so next up, Nick, are we doing the movie or the game? I can't remember.
1: You you pick whatever one you want.
0: All right. What do you feel All like right. talking about next? We're gonna talk about the game. So okay, it's a light news. It's a light news week, guys. And you know what? Nick and I usually do on our lunch breaks at work is we usually watch a show. You know, we're gonna we're gonna check out um, you know something amazing like Breaking Bad or you know we just recently watched Barry. But we decided that. Well, you know, there's really no shows out that we really, really are eager to watch. So, I made the comment at work that I've never beaten Sonic the Hedgehog 1. And Nick goes, well, let's do it. (laughs) And then we (laughs) remembered that we have this, like, Raspberry Pi thing where we have literally every retro game you could possibly imagine. So, we decided to jump into Sonic 1, see see if we could get through it. And uh, so, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So, for those who don't know, if you don't... Know this, you're kind of an insane person, but Sonic was originally released on the Sega Genesis or in the Mega Drive in 1991. Um, I would say it's easily the most important IP in Sega history. You know, this was the start of the, the console wars, really. You know, Sega can what Nintendo don't, things like that. Um, but going back to this game now, Nick, is this, is this a good game? Like, straight up, is this a, is this a good game? How would you answer that question?
1: Uh yeah or yeah is Sonic a good franchise this is a great question in general just yeah <laughs> and I think that that lends well to this game uh because it's a game all about going fast like uh, your character boot can get up to a very high speed on the screen but has also some of the most frustrating uh platforming uh enemies uh level design <laughs> uh, this game to go feels along with it.
0: mean. It feels mean, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, like I, I, when I think back to Sonic, I think a lot of us just inherently think of Sonic 2. Sonic 2, in my opinion, is a, is a great game. And it's kind of shocking to see the differences between 1 and 2. Because if you just look at the games, it's like, oh, these are the same thing. It's just different levels. But I go back to Sonic 1 and I forget, oh my god, I don't have a ground dash you know how much this game sucks without a ground dash? You know, if whether you're on a, a, a stupid little incline that you can't run up because he wants to go at the speed of a snail. You know, he's supposed to be the fastest little thing alive, but he can't run up a hill. And if you jump, you just jump backwards because you're on an incline. Or the knockback that, that happens in goddamn Marble Zone Act 3 where you're trying to jump on these platforms and you have to hit these, you know, really tiny areas. But Sonic is the slipperiest character ever. And there's knockback involved. And it's just... It, it really... Kids today don't know how hard games were back in the day, and it, it really kind of does show this this idea of of this era of games where developers were almost still employing this arcade style, you know, thought process to games where it's like we need to make these hard, we need to make them, you know, want to put in another quarter. It's all life based, you know, horrible checkpoint systems, restarting levels. It's, you know, it's it's. Nostalgic in a way, but man, I am so happy that we moved past this. And there's no saving. I don't know. Like there's and like there's no. If we run out of lives,
1: it was game over. You start the whole game over. So if you worked hard to get to the final uh, zone and died there, oh, well, too bad. You got to start all over again. So yeah, oh my
0: god, does that feel bad? That's why. Luckily for us, with this uh, Raspberry Pi, we can we can have we have save states. So you know we've we're on we're currently what labyrinth labyrinth yeah, act zone three, four. which is the infamous, infamous underwater level in Sonic One. Um, so we're almost done with that one, but I, I imagine we'll beat it next week, but I don't know, man. I I I I have a hard time saying that this is a good game. Like I, I really I think Sonic Two is great. Did you but now when you play when you were introduced to this franchise was did you play Sonic 2 first? No. No, I um I don't know. That's actually that's a hard question. I
1: because you know, got Sonic a 1 was, was the probably... initial
0: pack-in, but by the time yeah. I got a Sega
1: Genesis, Sonic 2 was the, the pack-in. So I was introduced to Sonic 2 first.
0: Yeah, I, it's so hard because yeah, I was, I was born in 1989, so I think I got a Genesis when I was five or six. So I would imagine at that time it was probably the Sonic 2 pack-in, but I do remember having both. And I remember... Them both being a major part of my childhood, and so my instinct is to say that yeah, of course I played Sonic One first, but maybe I didn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 a rough one. <laughs> it's not horrible, you know. There's there's really good like the the music, the music in the Sonic series. I've really started to get a, an appreciation for it in the last like month or so because Sonic Two is just so good. Every single one of those tracks is awesome, as we showed on this on the show a couple weeks back. Um, oh, crap. I have to pick the song this week, don't I? Oh, no. Don't worry. All right. I got you covered. All right. Yeah, my, my guy. But, you know, the son, the music is great. Um, you know, it was doing something. It, it looked top-notch at that level. But when I start to think about, like, you know, you compare Sega Genesis to Super Nintendo and you're like, are we really comparing Sonic to, like, Mario 3 or Mario World? It's not even close. Mm-hmm. Not even close. But, um, you know, I'm, it's, I'm happy we went back to play it. You know, it, it is... The be, being that I've beaten Sonic Two so much, I should go back and play Sonic One. So uh, I don't yeah. know, Nick. I, do you think we should keep going and playing some of these old games? Um, you know, kind of going forward and maybe just having talking talking about them every once in a while, or just just kind yeah. of when no, we're feeling No, I, I,
1: I think I think again is is you know if 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 it's a slow news week and again it's slow as far as television shows. Uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with introducing these games and and going back. Like even even like you've been talking how good Sonic 2 is. Like I'd like to yeah. just go back and let's see how well it, good it is after we complete yeah. Sonic 1 and kind of get that perspective. Because yeah, I'm like you. I think Sonic 2 is one of the greatest games of all time. We put it in our top 50 list. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'd be go. It'd be great to go back and play a bunch of games. You know, you know if you're convinced. listening and you want us to go back and play a specific game.
0: We can do that too. Yep. So, Jesse, Jesse, what should we play, Jesse? Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> um Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Uh, yeah, we should we should do that. We should do that. And and I am convinced. I, I really think it's just the ground dash. I think that's a, I think that's all that makes it go from a shitty game to an awesome game. Ground dash. <laughs> that's all I need.
1: Oh, well, maybe need. we'll check in. We'll 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 see if that is in fact the difference. So, but well, yeah, I'm something with that you. I that it is the quest I think anyone you can love the game right that's for sure but I don't to say that it's infallible is is oh no no chance (laughs) you gotta have a little bit of self-awareness of how those games played so
0: well, and yeah, and it is... It is, it is I, I agree. We should go back and play Sonic 2, because I'm even just trying, like... I'm thinking of Marble Zone right now and just how the environments of that level look, and it's just, like, gray bricks and lava. And it's, like, it is pretty basic as shit. And then you think of Sonic 2 with Hilltop Zone or Mystic Cave Zone, and it's like, oh, these are, like, cool environments with, like, moving pieces and... and or Oil Ocean Zone where you're going and, and bouncing around in, like, those little shooty-shoot things. Like, there is a lot more to it, but... Uh, Sonic 1... I'm going to beat you and then probably never play you again.
1: Fair enough, but, fair enough.
0: On to the last topic, Nick, and this is a this is a big moment. This is unprecedented for the show um, and really kind of puts a point to how slow of a news week it was for <laughs> us, but uh, this is going to be the first time we bring a non-video game topic to our video game show. Um you know, this is this has been a really kind of crazy year for movies. You know, obviously Nick and I are huge video game nerds, but I don't think there's many video game nerds who aren't also into movies. And so with a lot of the big-budget movies that have come out recently, The Flash and uh, Mission Impossible, a lot of them are underperforming. But we had kind of a, a moment of movie history uh, over this past month with the Barbenheimer uh, crazy craze that w- has been taking the, over the internet, taking over movie theaters across the country. Uh, Nick did, in fact, watch Barbie, so maybe we can get a review from him uh, next <laughs> week or at another time. But Nick and I actually went together to go see Oppenheimer in IMAX 70 millimeter fashion. Um, I am a, a big movie buff. I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. And this just seemed like one of those moments that we had to had to go experience in theater. So um, this will be spoilery, you know, so if you have not seen Oppenheimer, I would advise to skip this part or if you don't care about it because, you know, hey, spoiler alert, the bomb went off, um, <laughs> you know, Listen at your own at your own danger is what I'm trying to say. But, um, I guess I'll just get started here, Nick. Uh, just my my overall thoughts of the of the movie, if that's cool with you. Can you just give a um, just give a general description of what the movie is about? Sure, sure. For those so those who don't know, uh, J- Yep, so J. Robert Oppenheimer Oppenheimer is the father of the atomic bomb. Um, This is a biopic directed by Christopher Nolan, uh, who is the director of the Dark Knight Trilogy, Inception, Interstellar, Uh, so you can kind of get a feeling for his type of movies. They're very, very big, um, you know, large-scale type features, but this is a movie that goes over Oppenheimer's life, you know, from the time where he spent uh, studying uh, quantum physics all the way to developing the atomic bomb and some of the aftermath that happened uh, on a more political sense. Um, so, you know, three-hour biopic, you kind of know that it's going to be pretty dense and a lot of dialogue and things like that. So, um, But also, when you revolve a, a story around the atomic bomb, how can you not at least have that level of intrigue too on how are they going to put this to film? So, um, I think for me, this is... This is a, a very very good movie approaching approaching greatness but not quite getting there. Um, I think that on a technical level, as Christopher Nolan always does, uh, you know, it's a ten out of ten. You know, his level of impact I think is what like Michael Bay kind of strives for, but it gets boring because Michael Bay's always explosions, explosions, explosions. With this movie, we knew what we were building to the whole time, and while a lot of that buildup was just kind of like you know shots of the scientists or them building the city you know they had to bring all these scientists together in this you know barren desert area to to enable to build this thing you know it really showed the entire undertaking that it took for the Manhattan Project to go um but from a technical level you know Christopher Nolan did a great job capturing that to film um you know the explosion of the bomb was awesome you know in the true sense of the word you really get that quality over quantity um I don't want to keep rambling. I, I, you know, maybe maybe we should just kind of bounce back and forth here, to Nick. But <laughs> what what are, what are kind of your your top level thoughts of the movie?
1: Yeah, I I loved it a lot. Uh, it, you know, seeing it in IMAX seventy millimeter did do a lot for that. It was <laughs> it was an incredible uh, a visual spectacle. Like it was just like oh my god, just this whole world is just enveloping me. <laughs> you know, I'm just Ooh. like I'm right there in it all, but you know, when you say a movie's three hours, you're probably like, a lot of people probably roll their eyes, right? Like, get get this, get Christopher Nolan an editor, like, how can we condense this story? But, I think the way that he directs all of his movies, they're just so, the way that it's paced, and I think a lot of it has to do with the the quick shots, and that you're jumping through different periods of time here, uh, that I was never bored throughout the entire movie. It just kept going and going and going, and I was just enthralled. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved it a lot, and a lot of it has to do with the subject matter. Like it kind of, I'm not too familiar with the Manhattan Project or Oppenheimer mm. in general. So it was just, it was just great to learn about him. And uh, the movie does a great job of just focusing on him. Maybe some people think that's maybe a negative that it was just all about him and not the other stories that would be involved. And I don't know, creating a scientific town that's whole job was to create a nuclear device. Like that could mm-hmm. almost be a show. You know the drama that would be caused by something like that, but uh, no, I thought it. I thought it was a wonderful. Everyone, all the actors in here performed their ass off. I don't even think there was a, a single performance that just wasn't incredible. Even I was dating, uh, debating in my head like, "Wow, Emily Blunt is in this movie and for such a tiny role. You know, she's just mm-hmm. she doesn't get a lot of uh, scenes to chew on. But when she when they when she does get these moments, the the interact with oppenheimer including a powerful scene later in the movie she killed it and yeah. i mean and and gillian murphy killed it too like his performance is he's, he's gonna win best actor i i don't see how he won't uh but uh yeah i just i loved it so it was a great time
0: yeah i think yeah definitely a special shout out to killian murphy and um I would say Robert Downey Jr. too. I think both mm-hmm. of those guys uh, get their get an Oscar nomination. I could see Emily Blunt potentially getting one for supporting actress as well. Um, but yeah, I really like what you said about the pacing, Nick, and how for a three-hour movie you would expect to be have some lulls. But Christopher Nolan demands a lot from the viewer. You know, if when you go into a Christopher Nolan movie, you need to be able to keep up with him you know he's going to bounce around to different time periods he's going to change is this a black and white scene is this a colored scene you know there's fast paced dialogue lots of explanations happening at a time and so you know if you're able to put that effort into it you're going to get a lot out of it but you know if you're not you know into that that style of movie making I could see how you could come out out the other side of it and just kind of maybe not get all of the things that he was going for um yeah, it, it and again, what you said about the uh, the the show, like how the town could almost become its own show. I, I almost think that this almost would have been better if it was like a mini series. If they could have got almost gone even more into the story, you know, to get a little bit more out of the building of the bomb, to get a little bit more out of some of the aftermath uh, uh, things from it, because uh, as I as I mentioned you know, at the beginning here, spoiler. this is going to be spoilers. What they don't really show in the trailers is they get a lot into the communism and McCarthyism side of this, where there's this whole big investigation after the Manhattan Project, because Oppenheimer realizes what he's done, where he's basically outspoken against nuclear energy. And, And during this time with the the Red Scare and things like that in American history, that's kind of viewed as anti-American and therefore, like, oh, are you a communist? And he gets grilled and he gets grilled and he gets ostracized and outcast from the scientific community. Um, and like, I, I, I don't know, I wasn't really expecting a lot of that. So I was kind of, I was i was, I was almost hoping for more because I feel like there is a lot more story to be told there. But... I do think with repeated watchings of this movie, with putting on some subtitles, because even though I think I am an engaged viewer, there were times where I was having a hard time keeping pace with it, really understanding what was the supposed structure of the black and white scenes versus the color scenes. I've now learned that apparently black and white is through Strauss's, who is Robert Downey Jr.'s character's eyes, and then color is through... Oppenheimer's eyes, I, I think mm-hmm. that's the distinction. But yeah. going back and watching the movie through that again, I think is going to add a lot to it. And I could see this kind of getting up into that upper echelon of Christopher Nolan movies, you know, with the Inceptions and Dark Knights of that of the world. Yeah. But I really, I really, really, really liked it as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think, th- th- and I think that's why this movie was titled Oppenheimer and not the Manhattan Project or something like that, because that's yeah. I think you, when you going into the movie. Think about that because that is really like you said like like we, we weren't expecting this whole communist angle to the story but when it's a when a when it was a big part of oppenheimer's life and the the friends that he hung out with his his brother was a communist um he, he had a you know an, an affair with a woman who was a communist like it was a big part of who he was so yeah. i I, th- I think it was it was smart to bring it but yeah i can understand the like what is it? Why are we so like wrapped up in this? they it's like a nonstop plot point throughout the entire film. But I, I, yeah, I think it was a big part of his life and his his overall ignorance. Like he was he was he was a, a brilliant um, mind, but he couldn't see. And, it, and, it, and his whole interest in communism was from that angle. It wasn't like he he really wanted a, a, commu, a communist America or anything. But uh, he, he liked some ideas that were in there and kind of mm-hmm. like the current political system is like it's mm-hmm. like you can you can like certain ideas from a certain other party and not have to take the whole kit and caboodle, <laughs> you know, right. of everything they believe. And that was uh, his his kind of downfall because he was just so ignorant to what kind of effect that would have on his security clearance, uh, the, the people around him. Uh, but I found it I still found it really fascinating to see a brilliant man stumble to uh, protect his communist friends, not realizing that he's he's walking into the, the viper's den at the same time, yeah. you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah, uh, but, no, but it was good. It
0: was interesting. Super interesting, man. And um, Yeah, I, I think just the last thing I'll say is my fucking God dude, do I love just this stuff interests me so much like the nuclear the nuclear side of things like just just besides the quality of the film who made it who in it I just love the idea of the atomic world and taking the tiniest tiniest things that we can possibly imagine and the amount of energy and things that can be produced from bringing those things together or pulling them apart like you know combining all of that scientific knowledge and awesome awesome just awesomeness you know the pure sense of the word awesome is really 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 interesting and when you combine that into a movie with some of the dialogue and quotes that are being thrown around you know I think of one of the things that they were worried about when they were building this bomb is they were worried that this could potentially set off a chain reaction that would that would continue into the atmosphere and end the entire world they were they had that was not a zero percent chance that that would happen and While, of course, that didn't happen, I believe there was a quote in the movie that said, uh, from Oppenheimer, something along the lines of, you know, we were worried about starting a chain chain reaction that leads to the end of the world, and I worry that we may have done just that. It's the last line of the film. (laughs) Yeah, like I love love that kind of stuff, and you know his his visions of the the beauty of the subatomic world and these particles flying around, but then you know kind of juxtaposed against these apocalyptic visions of the entire world exploding. You know, it really did a, a you know beautiful job of kind of just showing the the horrible horrificness as well as the beautiful side of that. You know, and I, I believe it was um, Niels Bohr who was Kenneth Branagh's character. He was like that, um, he mm-hmm. was the guy that was that was in the room when he tried to poison his teacher. He was the other guy that he kind of worshipped. You know, he says something like, can you hear the music? And it's like the way that they kind of think of, of that some atomic world is just, I don't know. It, it, it does something to me in the same way that Interstellar did something to me thinking about, you know how time can actually be affected by mass, and it's like these these high level. Christopher Nolan does a great job of taking these high level concepts and bringing them into kind of a layman's understanding to just allow you to exist in this world and kind of marvel at how awesome and crazy and scary and, and cool it all is. Um, yeah, because that that, so, yeah.
1: that becomes a common theme is like you know Oppenheimer can see the theoretical, but. He doesn't. He can't see the practical. You know, the experiment itself, and that, mm-hmm. and that line is, yeah, like a like kind of like foreshadowing what's to come. Is like, you know, he can hear the music, but he can't kind of read the music, and then he has a lot of people around him that show him, show him that, you know, you know, he's. I think there was a very early on scene where he, yeah, he was, you know, writing up calculations on the board because he he thought there was no way. Uh, I think it was Germany would be this far and making mm-hmm. a bomb. And then his uh, fellow professor and students show him that it is, in fact, can happen, you know, because there's the chain reaction, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just a lot of great, like, moments in the scene or moments in the movie that do that, like, kind of, like, foreshadowing what's going to come. And Christopher Nolan's always been good about just tying that perfect bow on a movie. Like, you you wonder what's the significance of this scene where... uh, Oppenheimer's talking to Albert Einstein and it kind of sets off a lot of things in motion, especially with Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Louis Strauss. And it does a great job at the very end to tie it all together. So perfectly that Mm. yeah, Chris, Christopher Nolan knows what he's doing.
0: (laughs) God, he does. Yeah. There's a, you know, like you said with Emily Blunt, there's a reason that when he calls actors, it doesn't matter if it's a small role or not. Like you kind of sign up to do it. (laughs) You just, you just go. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Um, you know, if 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 I were to review it, I'd, it'd it'd be a four and a half, five. It'd be somewhere around there. Um, like I said, I want I want to watch it again with subtitles. Uh, I'll definitely be purchasing it on my on 4K when it comes out to to be able to, to do that again. But um, yeah, I love men, and do I love Killian Murphy? I could just watch that man do anything, <laughs> and I'd be happy.
1: I think yeah, I think in repeated watching, I think your opinion is only going to go up. I think yep, with this for movie. Sure. So. For sure. But uh, again, yeah, buckle in for another 3-hour ride, so.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yep. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's all the right. only th- I guess given the its length that's the only thing that might weaken it on repeated viewings is like, "Oh right, this movie's very long and since I already know what happens, I'm not as enthralled with it all." Um, but uh I guess we'll check back yeah, in.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's not a movie you put on in the background. It's a movie that you put on maybe once every seven or eight years, and you make it a thing where you you, you pop the pop bowl of popcorn, you turn <laughs> off the lights, you, you sit yeah. down and you watch the whole thing. you know it's it's not a yeah. casual movie, but no it's awesome nonetheless.
1: <laughs> it is. All right, well, we did it. that that is six things um. He's is uh, we are we'll get the PlayStation Plus extra games next week mm-hmm. for August. Mm-hmm. That'll be exciting. I'm I'm wondering if they can keep this pace up as with as many games as we've been getting. I'm I'm wondering if this will ever get to a point where it's like 5 games a month
0: as yeah, I, uh, we've seen with uh Game Pass. Yeah, I am not sure sh- I'm not sure. I mean, um, they got to hit a limit at some point, yeah. but <laughs> I think I think Finite Sony kind of, games. of you know, Sony right now with with the Activision deal going to be, you know, like or at least the the looming date of when all those games hit Game Pass, you know, that's going to be a big moment for Xbox. So Sony needs to make sure that I would say at least until then they have a very strong cadence of games coming to that. Otherwise, people are going to lose interest and then start to look to the other side. So I would expect it to keep going for a little bit at, at least.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when do you think uh, Ragnarok shows up? The day day that all the Blizzard games show up, uh... Um,
0: (laughs) I think I don't know. I could see it being November maybe this year. I mean, wasn't Forbidden West a year after? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: I wonder. I wonder. I don't know. Probably. Probably. Probably within within one to two years. Yeah, I would say. All right.
1: Uh, And as as far as games, I'm playing uh, uh, TBD.
0: Nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not playing
1: much. Making fun of me. (laughs) <laughs> at least I play games. That's eh. true. That's true. You're, you're, you're bringing games. Can't argue yep. with that. What, what else? What, do you, what else you got? the? You got any more teases? Yeah.
0: No, like I said, I mean, so I don't know, man. I, I am just lamenting the amount of time I don't have because I'm, I'm staring at my PlayStation 5 right now and I see Cyberpunk sitting next to it. I, I, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Sekiro. I'm like, ooh, that sounds fun. And then I'm like, oh, I got Hi-Fi Rush and Signalis and Pentiment. Um, but for right now, Hi-Fi Rush is, is my focus. I'm going to get through that and then probably I'll either choose Signalis or Pentiment to see if I can get hooked into one of those to at least check out or, you know, see if I want to subscribe to Game Pass for another month to get through them or at least be like, okay, I know I don't want to play this. Um, but some of those smaller games before I decide to jump into a, a cyberpunk or something like that, but you know, then we're hitting the. Hitting Murderer's Row with the amount of games coming out at the right. end of the, starting at the end of the month, so we'll see. We'll see. Life yeah. goes on.
1: Yeah, And we are building up to, um to opening night live. So I wonder if Keeley will he'll start the teases. You know, that's true. Yeah, that's
0: at the end of this month, isn't it?
1: Yeah, your boy, uh, your boy cool. uh, Xbox has already been teasing what's what's coming. So. My boy uh, Xbox. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Spencer, now known as Xbox. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah, the, again, it'll be probably a few more topics, and then it'll be, yeah, like you said, just game after game after game after game and probably bringing them multiple weeks. So Yep. All right, so, yeah, John was supposed to pick the song. He didn't, but I'm going to make it really easy for him. I just want him to pick his favorite Sonic song, Pick whatever zone he wants uh, from Masato Nakamura. So what, 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 what? I know you know all the songs. I do. Between like one been... and two, what is there a zone particular? We've already done yep. Chemical Plant, so you can't do that.
0: Yeah, so I, I li- I've been listening to them all, and I think that Chemical Plant, there's three songs that are at the top of the list. It's Chemical Plant Zone, Metropolis Zone, but I'm going to go with Mystic Caves Zone. There's okay. a a, spook- a spooky little funk to that one. I love it. So yeah. Mystic Caves yeah. Zone, I believe it's <laughs> World
1: 6, I want to say. I believe Oof. it's World 6. <laughs> there's so many worlds in Sonic 2. That's If that's correct, that's yeah. a good guess. Uh, yeah, yeah good choice, it's, good it's, choice. It's, I, funky is yeah. uh, the correct... Uh, adjective to use there so yeah (laughs) all right so that is six things again we thank you for listening please if you're listening be like jesse email in let us know again as you can see john's mood infinitely improved knowing we got a listener (laughs) in new zealand so uh, if you're listening, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social platforms. But other than that...
0: And and let us know any old school games that you maybe had from your childhood or, or would love to hear us talk about play, because mm-hmm. we will do that too. Yep, yeah, We course. have all... Like, I'm not... Uh, all of them. All of them.
1: <laughs> well, uh, the, up to the
0: 16-bit era. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, Super Nintendo on down. Yeah. Correct. Going backwards in time. alright again thank
1: you all for listening we will be back next week with six more things
0: bye guys see ya bye Jesse